with the divine blessings of God and also the equally divine blessings of our Gurus. As we share the ideas on leading consciously, one thing that comes to mind and that is every time we think about leaders or talk about leadership, we are fascinated by the entire idea as if there's a halo around the entire subject. Within our minds, we start turning the pages of history and faces after faces appear of great leaders. Leaders who have made a difference to the world. Leaders who have left their footprints across the sands of time. Leaders like Alexander the Great, who was both fearless and fearsome. Emperor Ashok, known for both war and peace. Julius Caesar, who created one of the most advanced empires of the world. Churchill, who was valued for his courage and will. Abraham Lincoln, whose integrity and honesty are still larger than life. Mahatma Gandhi, who exemplified truth and non-violence. Nelson Mandela, who is almost worshipped for his ability to rise beyond persecution and prejudice. Many such leaders appear before our eyes. But have you ever thought, what makes them so special? At the end of the day, the most important common factor amongst all of them were they were all humans. And so are we. Have you ever thought that as leaders, they did not have one extra hour in their day, 24 hours for them and 24 hours for us. We do not have one second less in our day. Perhaps the great leaders of history, they did the same things that we do every day. They worked hard. They dreamt big and so do we. They made decisions. We make decisions every day. They had courage. So do we. They also tried hard and worked hard to make their dreams come true. Every day, every individual on this earth makes an effort to fulfill his or her desires. So what makes them so special? I would like to share with you that leadership is not about making a change to the world. Leadership is about making a change to your own environment. Wherever you may be, whether you are a housewife in your home or a worker in an office, whether you are just hanging around with your friends or whether you are making important decisions in a boardroom. Every time we make a decision, we are a leader in one way or another. Every time we take a step in the right direction, we are a leader in one way or another. Every time we differentiate between the right and the wrong and take the higher moral ground, we are a leader. 
in actual fact each one of us is influencing our small circle of influence maybe not history and maybe our names would never be carved or imprinted upon the pages of history but yes each one of us is influencing the circle of influence that we have maybe it's five people maybe it's just our family of 10 maybe it's our close relatives or maybe it's our friends who are just 50 or 60 maybe it could be just a hundred people but each one of us is a leader in the circle of our influence that's what his holiness pramukh swami maharaj often said that wherever you are and whatever you are doing remember you have the power to influence everybody around you as an influential management thinker john maxwell has said leadership is no longer about titles and positions or even flow charts leadership is about one life influencing another and how we influence other people or even our own selves depends on the choices we make perhaps the tasks before us are the same and equal but the way we choose to undertake those tasks and makes the decisions really differentiates a leader there's an ancient chinese story that will perhaps throw more light on what i'm trying to explain once there was a wise emperor and he summoned all of his three sons and announced and said that now a time has come for me to hand over the empire to the most befitting son but as all of you are of my flesh and i love each one of you equally and i believe that you have the capabilities and the abilities to be the emperor i'm finding it excruciating difficult to decide who that person should be so what i'm deciding to do is recluse myself into the forest and after 10 years i will come back after deep contemplation on who should be in charge of the empire but in the meantime he gave each son a golden handcrafted beautiful box and he told them that please safeguard this and keep this until i return and when i come back return that to me the old emperor goes to the forest after 10 years he returns back to the empire obviously he goes to the first son and the first son is so proud and so happy and he says dad i know you would come to me the first he said i opened the box and i saw there was a fistful of seeds inside that box as you had told me that you wanted them returned as they were so i locked the box put it into a safe and set up 24 hour security of the royal guards made sure that nobody comes in and nobody comes out and nobody touches this box or the seeds so after 10 long years dad i believe in preservation and i have learned that from you so after 10 long years here is the box back the seeds as they were as you had given me untouched the old emperor he goes to the next son 
And the next son is also eagerly waiting for his father and he says, Father, yes, you gave me that golden box and inside there were seeds. But remember you had told me that you wanted them returned as they were. So I decided that every year the seed would become old and they would die. So every year I exchanged the exact number of seeds that you had given me for new seeds. So every year I went on transforming the seeds with new seeds. And as I give you the box back, the seeds are exactly the same number and amount, not one less or not one more. But I believe in transformation. So I exchange them every year. So here are your seeds as you had given me. You could literally plant them and they would grow. What good use are dead seeds which would not grow? So the father was happy and he went to the third son. The third son smiled and took hold of his father's hand. And the father said, so where have you kept the seeds? The third son took the father to the back of the palace and behind there was a huge land and a whole forest had grown. He said, Father, behold, these are your seeds. Because I thought seeds are not to be stored, they are to be planted. The purpose of seeds is to be planted. And I planted them in our back garden and they have grown into a forest of seeds. Father, you had given me a fistful of seeds and here before you are a forest of seeds, millions of seeds. I believe in regeneration. The father obviously, as you can imagine, gave the empire to the third son who believed in regeneration. Of course, all forms of leaders are important. Leaders who preserve the past, they are glorious and they are great. Leaders who transform the present are even greater. But the greatest are leaders who regenerate the future. So you may ask, which one of these three is leading consciously? According to me, it's not preservation. It's not transformation and it's not regeneration. It's the combination of all three. When we can preserve the past, transform the present and regenerate the future, you have the ability to lead consciously. Leading consciously means preserving life values. Leading consciously means transforming life outlooks and leading consciously means regenerating life beliefs. What do I mean by that? His Holiness Pramukh Sai Maharaj often explained that leading consciously means leading a conscious life. Life that focuses on life, on emotions and values. Leadership is not about a profession, it's more about a passion and more so about genuine compassion. When you lead consciously, you believe that you are leading lives, human beings, emotions and values. Hence, a conscious leader, he understands, he forgives. He remembers to love. He remembers to listen. 
He remembers to give value to life. So these three ideas of preserving life values. As Joe Batten has put it beautifully, that our value is the sum of our values. We have grown up upon the values of the Upanishads, Mahabharat, Ramayan, the Vachnamrut, the great saints and sages, the great thinkers who have uplifted the culture of India. Values like love, tolerance, harmony, faith, trust, they are all important and they all make us humans. But one value which has been singled out by Lord Buddha is compassion. Compassion gives us the ability to translate all these values in a meaningful way that would bring happiness and joy to all others. What do I mean by compassion? It turns a passionate leader into a compassionate leader, leading consciously. Our former president, Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam, one of the most loved presidents of India and a finest human being and a leader who was completely compassionate. Look at his level of compassion. On 20th June in 2015, when he had personally come to Sarangpur after he had written his final book on transcendence, Life of Pramukh Swami Maharaj. He came down to Sarangpur as a pilgrim. It was the first day of Ramazan. It was a hot, humid day. And the opening of the book was done in the most simplest manner. He handed in private the book in the hands of His Holiness Pramukh Swami Maharaj. And when after a big assembly in the assembly hall of Sarangpur, it was about 2 to 30 in the afternoon, he was leaving the stage. Remember, it was hot, humid, sweltering. He had come all the way from Delhi and a non-stop drive of almost three hours through the monsoon roads of rural India. Very difficult. But as he was leaving the stage, almost everybody was tired because of the heat. Breaking the security cordon, a village boy approached and reached Dr. Kalam. And to everybody's surprise, the boy hardly could speak English, but he was dressed in his tattered shorts and tattered shirt. He pushed his hand into his own pocket and produced a small crumpled note paper, which had been freshly torn from a notebook. And he handed it to Dr. Kalam and said, autograph. That was about the only English word he could speak. Dr. Kalam looked at that boy gently and then himself uncrumpled that piece of paper. There was no other place that he could really rest the paper, so he rested it on the wall, asked for a pen, and very gently and patiently autographed that paper, and then gave it back to the boy. Instantly, the boy crumpled that paper back with no respect for the autograph and pushed it back into his shorts pocket. Everybody around was slightly agitated, including myself. And that's when Dr. Kalam, look at his compassion. He turned to me and he said, Pramaviharijji, never disappoint a small child because these are his first years on this earth. What compassion. As we moved along and he was about to reach his car and the entire place was completely overcrowded. People were thronging to get a glimpse to even touch Dr. Kalam. And... Thousands were there. 
in that sweltering afternoon as we reached the car and anybody would be happy and relaxed to find a comfort in the car and that's when dr kalam turned around and in the crowd he saw a very old man almost 85 90 year old a village man who was jumping with his stick high and he kept shouting kalam sahib kalam sahib dr kalam turned to me and said what is he saying because he was speaking in gujarati and i asked him ke dada su kaam che to he said ke mara dikra no dikro ene kalam sahib sathe photo padavo che so i said he's saying that my grandson he wants to take a picture with dr kalam straight away dr kalam you know emerged out of the car he hadn't sat he was about to enter he stepped back and he said so where is his son bring him bring him it took almost 5 to 6 minutes to find a little child in this huge crowd he waited patiently as that little boy came he called the old man as well and they took a beautiful smiling picture in the sweltering heat of india and then dr kalam before he sat into the car he turned to me and said bramuyari ji never disappoint an old man because these are his last years on this earth imagine compassion from the entire spectrum of life compassion doesn't mean you have to do different things compassion just means you have to do things differently you can continue to do the same things that you do every day in your home but can you show a little more compassion that would transform you into a different leader in the circle of influence his holiness pramukh swami maharaj in 2001 when the bps swaminarayan sanstha had set up one of the largest relief camp after the bhuj earthquake and the relief camp wasn't small it was not only appreciated by the local government authorities but appreciated by international authorities it was so systematic so scientific so selfless and so far reaching to the people who really needed it so it was something that people emulated and for your information i would like to just share that every day we fed almost 45000 people and in total almost 2 million meals the bps relief camp reached out to 409 remote villages with relief material in millions the camp not only served people but it created a temporary tin tent city for thousands of people at the end from relief to reconstruction the bps sanstha set up or reconstructed 15 villages and colonies almost making 4 and a half thousand homes and 51 schools so the relief camp became a very important thing and obviously in any relief camp you make reports and you submit reports and people want that because it creates trust and integrity but one evening like pramukh swami was calling every evening we proudly told swami that you know swami ji we have distributed 66000 blankets so then pramukh swami asked that uh, so how many blankets do you give to every person so the volunteers very systematically said swami one blanket for one person no more because we can reach to as many people as possible and then statistics do matter pramukh swami said what if somebody asks for one more the volunteer said but one is for one no more 
Very gently, Swami asked that, where do you all sleep? Everybody was sleeping in a sheltered room in a place. Everybody said that we sleep in sheltered rooms. Then Swami Sri asked, well, where do all the victims sleep? They sleep in tents. Pramukh Swami said, why don't you for a night go out and sleep in the tents? So all the sadhus and volunteers, we went and slept in the tents. It was so freezing because the temperatures were sometimes two degrees, one degree, minus one, that one blanket wasn't enough. From that day onwards, if anybody asked for two or three, we gave. Life is about satisfaction and not about statistics. He told us, add compassion to whatever that you are doing. Even when we were feeding millions of people, he said, bring change in the menu. Those people who don't line up for food, provide a tiffin service to deliver food to their homes. They might be too old or maybe too dignified to stand in a line. To provide service with compassion brings all the change. So yes, we must preserve these life values that keep us human or make us more than human. As Aldous Huxley, the famous thinker and author, perhaps one of the most influential thinkers of his time, who has written more than 50 books and many more essays and articles, Aldous Huxley he wrote at the end of his life that it is getting increasingly embarrassing for me after 45 years of research and study to give advice to people that just be a little kinder to each other. There is no rocket science in how to make humanity grow. Just be more compassionate. The second thing that we must learn from that story is transformation of outlooks. Yes, we are all born with eyes, but we can make choices on what we see. We are all born with a set of a mindset, but yes, we can still transform our mindset and our outlooks. We have the power to change our outlook. Transforming Outlooks is a very important part of leading consciously. Once we were in Johannesburg and on the same stage, sitting next to me was Isu Chiba. He was a very senior leader of ANC, African National Congress. And more importantly, he had been in jail, Robin Island, for almost 18 years with Nelson Mandela. He very gently whispered something into my ear, which never goes away. He said, Your Holiness, one thing that Nelson Mandela did for me is change my outlook of life. And I inquired why. He said, while we were in jail, there was a law in the prison. They could only speak in English or Afrikaners. And if you spoke in any other language, even whispered a word, your sentence would increase. Obviously, we were put in jail for no fault of our own. We were conspired against. That was hurting me deep. But to see and watch my wife grow old for 18 years, as she stood every time to come and see me in mute silence like a dumb animal, that was humiliating. She could not speak English and I could not speak in any other language. 
So that hurt and humiliation was so deep in my mind that I whispered to some of the prisoners that if forever we get out of this prison, I'm going to hunt down every man who has schemed and conspired against me and kill him. Nelson Mandela found out and he called me once in his prison cell and that was not much. And he said, Isu, why are we here in jail? So I said, liberty and equality. So then Nelson Mandela said, remember, liberty and equality are useless without dignity. So when we are freed, our first job would be to go to all the white supremacists who have conspired and schemed against us and go to their wives and to their homes, have tea with their wives and promise them that no harm will come to their husbands. Nelson Mandela had the ability to change the outlook of my life and I cannot thank him enough. Imagine when you change your outlook, even your most difficult days become inspiring. Conscious leadership is about changing your outlook. Once a complete stranger came to His Holiness Pramukh Swami Maharaj and he asked Swamiji that please bless me that I'm about to do something difficult. Swami asked what? He said, I have been unfairly robbed of my money by a friend of mine and he cheated me and duped me of millions. I have been asking him to return my money but he doesn't return because he's not fair, he's wrong. So what I have decided to do is hire professionals who would bully, beat, intimidate him and scoff up my money and I would pay off a certain amount for the money that I get back. Pramukh Swami very gently looked into his eyes and said that I know you feel hurt because you have been wronged but you cannot right a wrong by a wrong. What will this turn you into as bad as he is? Remember, only a right can right a wrong. A wrong never can. Since that day, that man's outlook completely changed. He tried to deal with it in a different way. And I'd like to share with the people, as time went, they both became perhaps one of the strongest partners because trust grew happiness grew and understanding grew. Conscious leadership is about changing outlooks. And leading consciously is also about regenerating life beliefs. Beliefs, call them dreams, call them goals, call them your personal motivation. But to have life dreams, and keep regenerating those life themes until they are achieved is also a part of leading consciously. It could be anything. But recently, as we are working in the United Arab Emirates, one of the dreams of its founding father, His Highness Sheikh Zayed, was to see a country which lives in harmony, to create tolerance as a part of duty to generate coexistence and remind people that you may be of different denominations, different cultures, different countries, 
but you can live together. This life belief of His Highness Sheikh Zayed has been instrumental in turning the United Arab Emirates in a country where more than 200 nationalities live and prosper. But that's not just enough. It is in that very place that in 1997, His Holiness Pramukh Swami Maharaj also shared a prayer. And that prayer has become a dream of the Indian community living in the UAE. And that prayer was that may there be a temple in Abu Dhabi. Now imagine a small prayer by a great spiritual visionary. But that prayer is actually translating itself into reality. The BAPS Hindu temple in Abu Dhabi is perhaps generating harmony, not just between two countries, two cultures, two communities and two religions, but it is bringing the whole world together. Imagine a Muslim king donating land to a Hindu temple where the lead architect of the entire complex is a Christian Catholic, where the chief consultant is a Chinese of perhaps no religion, but just dedication, where our project manager is a Sikh and our construction company is Shapurji Palanji, Parsis. Imagine the level of harmony and the unity that has been generated just because of a life belief and a life dream. I believe that the words of His Holiness Mahan Swami Maharaj are equally important as we conclude the first session of Leading Consciously. He often says that what is the biggest problem of the world? Disharmony. What is the greatest solution? Harmony. So how can we generate harmony? By living in harmony with each other, by connecting in harmony with God and nature. Once we connect with everyone consciously, we will be able to generate a harmony that brings change to leadership. Leading consciously is not just about making into the pages of history. Leading consciously is leading a life that generates consciousness of life. It means not just living our lives, but the ability of giving our lives. Leadership is not just about greatness, it's about goodness. Each one of us is capable of being good. Leadership is not just about achievements, it's about attitude. Each one of us can change our attitude. Leadership is not just about rights, it's about responsibilities. Each one of us knows what our responsibility is. Leadership is not just about success, it's about inner satisfaction. It's not just the huge public events, it's also the small private moments that give us the deeper satisfaction of life. So leading consciously is more about leading our own lives. And leading consciously, in the words of a great management thinker, is that when you are about to become a leader, you grow. And when you have become a leader, you help others grow. And that's why His Holiness Pramukh Swami Maharaj often says, 
that the way to lead consciously is by generating joy for others. In the joy of others lies our own. In the good of others lies our own. And in the progress of others lies our own. In the first part, we have explored leading consciously. In the second part, we shall explore leading superconsciously. How can a great leader become even bigger than himself or herself? How can we rise beyond the limitations that we are bound by and become better than we can ever imagine? BABS Better Living